Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. Alex Cook, who leads Wealth with Purpose. And uh, back with us once again, Alex, welcome to 2020. Great to be with you, Neil, as always. Looking forward to our discussion today. So, Alex, in previous weeks, we've had some great conversation, uh, focus on kingdom wealth foundations and recognising there are spiritual dimensions to money. And we've also explored some practical insights into how we can take control of our spending as an important element of uh, what's happening at this time. Cost of living is rising. Today, we want to get a bit of a focus on protecting wealth. So, we're... Uh, as believers, we live in a fallen world. How do we see our finances in any way being vulnerable? Yeah, look, as you say, it's a fallen world. Uh, ever since Genesis 3, <laughs> uh, you know, sin into the world and a lot of problems <laughs> have uh, befalled us. Uh, look, I mean, we as uh, the reality is that most of us at some time in our lives will experience, you know, some challenges. Uh, now, that could be loss of assets, you know, due to accident, to natural disaster, as, you know, unfortunately many people have experienced just in the past couple of weeks alone. Uh, and then, of course, probably the most common one of all is health issues. You know, at some point in our lives, uh, most of us get sick. And obviously, you know, when you look at the figures for cancer and heart attacks and things like that, uh, it's very, very common. In fact, uh, you know, ultimately, most of us will, will, will get something of some sort. Uh, and so when that happens, of course, the, the million-dollar question is, how does that affect us and how does it affect our, our families, our loved ones? And how do we prepare to protect them? So when we talk about protecting wealth, what we're really saying here is how do we protect our, ourselves and our families from the financial hardships that can come when these world events and not just world events, but, you know, personal events in our own lives occur uh, that have a, basically a setback to our finances and the good news is there are things that we can do uh, to protect our wealth now ultimately not from everything uh, but there are lots of good things we can do uh, to practically steward our finances even in uh, you know tough circumstances okay and uh, some listeners will note your levels a little low so uh, we'll get you to speak up nice and loud uh, there for us alex but we've got a call let's take a call Uh, rodney is on the line from south australia hello rodney welcome well, g'day. Thank you for welcoming me. It's um, lovely to be on the call. Good on you, Rodney. What are your thoughts? Um, question for Alex. Um, many of us have got life insurance tied in with our superannuation funds, so it doesn't look like we're paying anything, but, of course, it's coming out. So your view on whether we're better off um, having life and disability insurance as standalone things so that we can um, find the right um, uh, super fund um, which doesn't affect the insurances that we've got or whether to take advantage what is put to be um, special discounts they have within the uh, financial institutions. Fabulous insight, Rodney. Alex, uh, your thoughts? If we're talking about uh, protecting uh, that kingdom wealth, uh, your thoughts for Rodney? 
Yeah, look, fantastic question. Thanks, Rodney. Um, look, this is a one I talk to people about all the time, and that is whether you should run your insurances through your superannuation. And let's talk about the pros and cons. Um, so one of the key advantages of having life insurance and a disability cover, or TPD as we call it, uh, through your super fund uh, is the fact that from a point of view of the you, you as an individual, it improves your cash flow, right? Because the super fund is paying the premium, not you. So in other words, it's not coming out of your own hip pocket. But the flip side of that, of course, is it's coming out of your super fund and therefore it's potentially eating into your nest egg. Now, the second benefit, though, of having it inside super is life insurance and disability premiums attract a 15% tax rebate inside superannuation. So by default, technically insurance for life and disability through super is 15% cheaper because of that rebate that it attracts. In your own name, life cover and TPD do not attract a tax deduction and therefore you pay slightly more to have it in your own name. So to me, uh, it really comes down to an individual situation. Uh, firstly, as I say, there is a premium benefit by having it inside super. Uh, the second thing, of course, is if cash flow is an issue, because uh, for many people, they need a lot of life cover when they've got a young family. You know, they've got kids, they've got school fees, they've got a mortgage, etc., and therefore the cash flow is tight, and therefore having it inside your super can be a real benefit because it's not having an impact on your personal cash flow. But perhaps, you know, as you as you get older and your mortgage has gone down and the kids grow up, you want to reduce that cover or potentially even take it outside of super so it's not uh, affecting your super fund. Uh, the other thing we often encourage people to do is if you are um, paying your premiums out of the super fund is to do a little bit of what we call salary sacrifice where basically you make extra contributions into super because that's quite tax effective to do. It reduces your tax rate on those contributions to 15% and that way you can offset the impact of the premiums coming out of your super fund and the negative impact that has on your balance by topping it up through tax effective salary sacrificing. So as, as I say, there's pros and cons of all of these things, uh, but certainly uh, there are benefits as to why people have it in there. So I hope R- that helps you. Rodney, does that, uh, is that a good answer for you? Yeah, that's a brilliant, concise answer. So one uh, uh, question that follows on from that would be, um, are insurance companies happy for you to move to a different fund. For example, if we were all to move to Christian Super from... Uh, I've left it too long, not too long, but uh, unfortunately I've got three or four different superannuation funds at the moment and um, keep meaning to consolidate but haven't done so. So would my insurers um, come on board with Christian Super? Alex? It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic question. Um, so I'll let you know how we deal with this. Um, so generally speaking, if you take your super fund from one to another, the existing cover usually ceases in the existing fund. That's what usually happens because you're essentially emptying that balance out and there's no money left there. Um, so there's a few ways around that. Uh, one is that you leave a little bit of cash in the existing account to keep the insurance. And generally, we always recommend that because you should never move to another super fund if you need that insurance cover until you're guaranteed to have a new cover in the new super fund. So that's that's one way of dealing with it. Uh, the, second thing, the second thing that we do... Um, 
for our clients is we usually take out what we call a retail policy with any of the major insurance companies and then we link it to your super fund of choice and that way you're not bound by any super fund so if you go from say australian super to christian super we just transfer the policy from one fund to the other it's just literally a bit of paperwork um, very simple process and, and no cost that way you can maintain your cover and it doesn't matter what super fund you're in. Because obviously over time, particularly over 30, 40 years of working life, more than likely you're probably going to want to change super at some point, but you don't necessarily want to lose the insurance cover. So very important, I think, to just to make sure, firstly, that you are eligible for cover in your new fund before you go moving anything, um, because this is often an issue where people move to another fund and for whatever reason, their health has changed. You know, they've got a, a bad back. They've got issues. You know, as we get older, we all get health issues. Uh, and therefore, you can potentially be ineligible for insurance in your new super fund. So very important just to be careful before you move, move uh, from one fund to another um, because more than likely, you will lose the cover going from one to the other. Some super funds do have what's called a continuation option where you can... Uh, de-link the insurance and keep the insurance uh, but that's not that many uh, available out there that do that um, so yeah be, be careful but certainly um, it is a solvable issue Rodney thank you so much for your call and our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316 you might have a question for Alex on our Ask Alex question uh, on any dimension when it comes to money, whether it's investment or uh, even around this issue we're talking about insurance today, let me just touch on something which for some is a concern here, Alex. When we talk about insurance at all, some will say, isn't it a lack of faith in God to insure your family? Won't God just protect us? What are your thoughts when someone uh, raises that? Yeah, look, I've had this said to me a number of times doing many of our workshops um, and the short answer is no, it doesn't represent a lack of faith. In fact, I would actually refer to it as being a wisdom issue. Um, you know, God loves us, of course, and he, he wants to help us through life, but he also warns us that we will have trials in this life. Uh, there's a fabulous uh, proverb, and it's from Proverbs 22, verse 3. It says, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. Now, as a father, and I've got a couple of kids, um, I'm cognizant of the fact that if I was to pass away, my wife still has the children to raise, pay the bills, etc. Um, and even we live in a fallen world, and even though I would hope it doesn't happen to me during my working life, there is a chance that you know I do have health issues of some sort that take me out of the workforce or take me out of you know take me home early, um, and so therefore I need to protect my family from those potential financial hardships, which can easily be avoided through proper insurance cover. And to me, prevention is far better than, than cure here. And so to me, it's not a lack of faith issue by you having insurance. It is a wisdom issue and about, you know, God wants us to use our um, you know, common sense and think through these issues to make sure that we look after our families accordingly. Uh, Alex, just flowing on from that, uh, we might have uh, a personal uh, insurance program as a breadwinner, but then our spouse might have their own insurance, and then we might be insuring our kids and our teenagers. Uh, it all becomes very expensive if everybody's being insured. Uh, your wisdom when it comes to uh, just how, how much and uh, how far do you go with insurance in your own family? 
Mm, look, it's a great question. And really, it, insurance is all driven around circumstances and your particular financial position. And usually it relates to someone's age and stage of life. Uh, so the example you know, I like to usually give you know, is, to say, a young couple. Uh, they're 35. They've just had their first two kids. Uh, they've got a mortgage uh, and they've got work. Maybe the, the wife's having you know, a year off work to, uh, to raise the kids. Uh, and therefore... There is the risk that if the husband were to pass away early due to, uh, um, you know, he has an accident or something, and therefore the wife is all of a sudden in a very desperate position because she needs enough money to potentially A, pay the mortgage, and B, to raise two young children. So that to me is a scenario where obviously it's very important. But then if you're older, let's say you're 60, you might still need a bit of uh, cover just to get you through until retirement. But maybe you don't need nearly as much cover because your kids have grown up, they've finished school, uh, and therefore the level of cover you require is much less. And of course, as you get older, it gets more expensive anyway. So more than likely, you're going to want to reduce it. Um, So the, the key issue here, though, ultimately with all these is it all depends on your individual circumstance and understanding really the purpose of insurance. And really the purpose of it is to prevent you from being poor. It's not to make you rich, you know, and your family gets this huge sum of money and all of a sudden, you know, they go on a Hawaii holiday. It's actually about making sure that your loved ones are looked after in a range of possible scenarios that could happen, whether that's premature death or your disability and so forth. So it's about protecting people. Um, And the question I would really put to listeners here is to think to yourself, how long could me or my family survive without an income? If something happened to you and and maybe you're the breadwinner or maybe your spouse is the breadwinner, how long could you survive without an income? And that's the question you need to be able to answer because obviously we've all got bills to pay, rents to pay, mortgages to pay, etc. But that's how you, you come to the conclusion as to working out how much cover is going to be appropriate for you and your family. Alex, what about the sorts of reasons people might give for avoiding insurance? Uh, I'm young, I'm healthy, I don't need all that insurance cover or it'll never happen to me. Uh, You know, you feel a bit bulletproof in your younger years. Uh, What are your thoughts around some of the things we often believe about insurance that may not actually hold water? Oh, look, there's, there's quite a few, and I've, I think I've heard them all over the years. Um, one of the really common ones, as you touched on there, is I'm young and healthy. A lot of people think because they're young, it's not worth having. But the thing for young people, and if you're, you're listening to this and you're, you know, you're under 40, I'd say to you, look, now is the time to get it. A, because when you're young, insurance is cheap. It's very, very cheap when you're young. And B, you can lock it in. So the most insurance companies offer what they call stepped and level premiums. Level premiums mean you get to lock it in at a level price for a very, very long period of time. So if you can lock in cheap premiums whilst you're young and healthy, it's absolutely worth doing. The other issue with the young and healthy issue is that many people don't realize that as they get older, little things happen to us. You know, you can get arthritis, uh, you know, you get a bad back from sporting injuries, all these kind of things that happen that may potentially either disqualify you from insurance or allow you to get exclusions and other things. And honestly, I would have a significant number of declines every year from insurance companies because they see people as being too high risk. And that's people even in their 40s. So once again, don't buy the young and healthy lie. Get it while you're young and healthy, so that way you can get a good, really high-quality policy at a low price whilst you're young. 
So that's a really common one. And of course, probably the biggest one of all is it won't happen to me. You know, we tend to, I think, you know, in a nation like Australia where we are so blessed, we tend not to think of the downside so much. We tend to think about the good times ahead. Uh, and uh, and so many people uh, just don't realise the things that could happen to them. That's despite the statistics. So, for example, for a man, there's one in three chance of getting cancer. For uh, I think for stroke, it's one in four. Uh, and heart attack, about one in three adults have uh, the symptoms, if you like, of coronary heart disease. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die of it, but the point is we are all vulnerable. Uh, ultimately, we're frail, and our bodies, you know, from the day we're born, technically, is sort of slightly in decline over the years. Uh, and so these things can happen to us. And I'm sure everyone listening knows someone who has been affected by uh, you know, a major health issue at some stage in their life and sometimes even young people as well. So don't buy the lie, it won't happen to me. Because once again, it's, this is a really key issue here. It's not the probability of it happening to you. So even if the probability is low, that is not the issue. It's the impact on you and your family if it happens to you. So I might be young and think, okay, I'm, I'm fine because the probability is so low. But if you've got a young family to raise, the consequences of you being uninsured are very high. So once again, don't buy the lie that it won't happen to me because God willing it won't, but it, it, but it might. And so you've got to allow for that. So there's some of the, you know, the myths, if you like, um, Neil, that people have to consider. Well, time running out, but I wonder whether we might finish up on on the sorts of key insurances uh, that you might recommend. And I know that it all varies depending on circumstances and age and all of those sorts of things. But if you were saying if you're the sort of person who doesn't have any insurance or or a very low level insurance coverage, uh, what would be the sort of priorities that you might choose, key types of insurance we might consider uh, if we're looking to reevaluate our insurance plan, mm, great question. So, in the industry, we divide it up into two big categories: is what we call general insurances and what we call personal insurances. So, general insurances is things like when you're insuring your car, your house, your boat, anything that's a physical asset. That's what general insurance is, and most people are aware of that. And most people obviously insure their cars. The ones they tend to ignore, though, are the personal insurances, and that is where you're insuring a human being. That is, you you are the life insured. And there are four major types that people need to consider. One is what we call life insurance, a very obvious one, and that basically pays a lump sum if you pass away to your beneficiaries. The second one, it's called total and permanent disablement, which is basically where you're unable to ever work again, and you'd be uh, paid a lump sum. Uh, The third one is what we call trauma cover. And this is one that a lot of people are not aware of, but it's actually a fabulous policy. And 25% of trauma policies are actually claimed on. And what it is, trauma pays a lump sum on diagnosis of a specific health event. And the three most common are heart attack, cancer, and stroke, but there are all sorts of other potential things as well. MS, motor neuron disease, paraplegia, quadriplegia, all these things that you you don't want to think too much about. But trauma policies are heavily claimed on, and it pays a lump sum. And then the final one is a very different one. It pays you a monthly income stream if you're unable to work. It's called income protection. 
And generally, most insurers will cover you for up to 70% of your income. So if you're unable to work due to ill health or you've had an accident, uh, the insurance company will pay you an income, usually for a defined, what we call a benefit period and a defined benefit period. And what we encourage people, uh, if you're in the workforce, is you get a policy that goes to at least age 65. So that way, if something serious happens to you, you're basically going to get an income stream for the rest of your working life. Um, So they're the four big ones uh, amongst the personal insurances uh, that people should consider. Obviously, it relates to your individual circumstances and where you're at and how much debt you have and how many kids you have. All that kind of thing will affect these decisions. Um, But they're the four critical ones that people need to consider. Well, Alex Cook, always overflowing with some great wisdom, just uh, clarifying some of those issues that we'd have around and this series that we're talking about, uh, Foundations for Wealth, uh, which is a powerful sort of thing to talk about. And uh, whether you are you know, got nothing or you've got something uh, or you're on your way there, uh, important information and important wisdom to know. Uh, Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. You can connect with Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com. You'll find all sorts of good free resources on Alex's website, Wealth With Purpose, the My Toolkit. There's free videos, there's podcast content. You can also follow Alex on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, there is an Ask Alex at WealthWithPurpose.com email too uh, for asking a question for this segment. Uh, so, Alex, great getting your insights as always. Thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. 